This is episode 17 of the Hub Games Hangout, brought to you by Flip Over Frog. Available now from your local game store, online, and at wearehubgames.com. Okay. The button's been pushed. You're live. Live. Yeah, so you should have a little clock in the top left that says live. I see that. Yeah, that's good there. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. Good day, Internet. How are you? Uh, cool. So, yeah, this is uh, we pushed out to the different streams. So, just got to wait for people to come there in. He is. Hey, hi. The one, the only. Yoss is here. <laughs> Who is Yoss? Yoss is. Thanks for coming. <laughs> well, hang on, Yoss. You can introduce yourself to Matt and Brad. Yeah, before we kick the show off properly. Okay. Um, yeah, Yoss is always here. Yoss lives in the Netherlands. Okay. And we've met him. He's a fifty, our number one fan. Yeah, cool. We've met him. He's why we do this, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. This is really between you and jo- and yours. Uh, we're, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we're just bystanders. Yeah, we asked him who would he like to have on as a guest, <laughs> and he said anybody apart from Matt and Brett. Seems yeah. amazing. Inscrutable emoji has picked this has popped up. I have no idea what that means. Bum, 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 bum. I'm, what does that mean? Yeah. I'm not. I'm too old to know what emoji means. So that I believe is Twitch's generic standard happy face. It doesn't look particularly happy. <laughs> no. Meanwhile, <laughs> Ken's in. And he's saying, "I'm not even my fan. I'm crying now." No. Ken, when you get back with the solo play feedback, you'll kind of climb up higher towards being our number one fan. But until then, <laughs> it's still yours. There's a lot of competition. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep. Uh, so I've got a whiteboard. Um, so this the next Wednesday's hangout will be in like the new my new sort of like setup. So I'm gonna keep like a running sort of league of number one fans. <laughs> Just sort of like change it live. Is it like, like how they used to do it in um what was the racing show like Top Gear? You know, the, it's like the top times. So they you have the magnetic yeah. stickers. Yeah, except you, it, it's not just like one go. Like you don't just get like one drive around, like one hot lap. It's like it's constant up and down. You're number one fan in the wet. Yeah, well, it's like Anita would have. uh, So my partner, when we were talking about the children, she'd be like, "You're my favorite child today." (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. So and it's it's like they have to vie for the number one position. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great that it's mutable, like. Rather than the thing like, well, oh, you're just my favorite. It's not just one of them all the time. That would be terrible, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mixes around. It's all good. All right, I'm going to hit the um, the countdown button. We're going to kick this extravaganza off. Well, there's in a moment. Button. I think there's so many buttons. This, this, like the role of producer presenter is not to be sniffed at. He's got like cranks and wheels just out of view there. <laughs> There'll be some like steam coming out from the side. Yeah, there, he's like winding around. Wow. <laughs> it's the only way I can keep standing. It's just like through all of the pulleys and systems. All right. Okay, everybody. If you're here for the start of the show, you know that it's countdown time. I made a new one. Get excited. Oh, wow. Hey. <laughs> a brand new doo-doo, 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 doo-doo. 
I, do you know what? I was this far away from ripping off the countdown music and just going, <laughs> okay, I'll just do a 30 second one because. I, know, I wish I'd known that was coming because I would have had a cardboard to cut out ready and then I could have just swapped it in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, this is the queen. Anyway, <laughs> it is Wednesday. The looking at my calendar, 23rd of September, uh, seven o'clock in the UK, eight o'clock if you're in the Czech Republic or Czechia. I don't know, indeed. Czech, Czech Republic, I think. Let's keep the Czech Republic, let's keep the Czech Republic. Um, and oh god, lost all time now. Two o'clock on the east coast of America, but none of us are there today. Um, it's time for another Hub Games Hangout with us, your illustrious, beautiful hosts. Uh, I'm Michael, there's Rory. Hello, Rory. Rory. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, apparently the tune was a little loud. Uh, and we have guests, special guests. I'll turn it down for the next time. Um, Matt Dunstan, hello. Hello, everybody. And, Thanks for having me. And your il 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 I was going to say your elaborate co-pilot. <laughs> I think that's that's very generous <laughs> actually, as, a, as an adjective. I think it'll only get worse. I think that's actually pretty accurate as well. The alliterative and wonderful Brett. Uh, hello. Was I introduced there? I couldn't tell. Uh, I called you alliterative and wonderful. <laughs> okay, I'm not entirely sure what that means. But no, I'm not either, so I'll just take it and assume it's uh, good. Take, take it as a compliment. It's all good. <laughs> Sure. As, as he reaches for his dictionary. Unable to read. Um, cool. All right. So, yeah, we are good to go. Um, welcome, folks who are joining us live for the Hangout. Uh, Joe, lovely to have you on board. Just, yes, just, Joe. Um, no thumbs up on Twitch, apparently, according to Yoss. We'll, we'll have words and we'll have them fix it. Uh, Ken as well. Hello, Ken. Ken gets extra points. Um, so, yeah, Ken bought me a copy of Hades in a week because he's a foolish person. Uh, so he gets 9 million points. Um, I think he's competition. At the moment. Yeah, number one fan. We'll, uh, we'll have a league up and running next week, I guarantee you. Uh, so, yeah, as always, we're going to kick off with what have you been playing, if you have been playing anything. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a little bit difficult we'll start, now. We'll start with Matt. Because yeah, the Matt, you're you're in um, you're in Czech Republic at the moment. I am. I am. Well, I'm quite lucky actually because my uh, partner is very happy to play games with me. So we we managed to play one or two things a day, even. Uh, so played a lot of Grand Austria Hotel recently. Uh, uh, got very addicted to that. Um, finally finished our King's Dilemma campaign. Not just uh, me and my fiance, but uh, last a few weeks ago. It was like 19 games or something wow. ridiculous. Uh, what else? Uh, and just a lot of prototypes, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's a, it's a good mix of things. Uh, that's part of part of lockdown was I purchased a lot of a lot of games, and we've been slowly making our way through it. Doing I don't research. normally get. Well, yeah, but normally when I you know when I had to go to work and things, you, you, I'd only have time to play prototypes. But this has seemed like, a, thankfully, a nice time to be able to play some games so, that I've always wanted to. Cool. Is good, Brett. What about you? Anything? I mean, I haven't played a couple of prototypes. I mean, and since the theme is in theory collaboration, although we haven't, <laughs> haven't gone to that, I don't know whether we'll get there yet. Um, no. last, I mean, it, it's a it's uh, a sad story, you know. So we shouldn't. Get <laughs> last Thursday was the first time that Trevor Benjamin, uh, one one of the other designers from Cambridge. Uh, and I actually got together face to face in a, in the same room for like the first like for six months. Mm -hmm. and actually sat down and played a couple of 
prototype together. So it's like, and then we just cried, and then because we were so happy. <laughs> no, and, no. Was, and then we went home. <laughs> given that it's going, I'm wondering whether it's going to last much longer. We've been waiting to get together for more, you know. But who knows? Maybe we'll be banned again. And we won't be yeah. able to stay in the same room for very much longer. Hey, we'll find out tomorrow, I guess, when yet another government announcement comes up that's Indeed. getting more and more horrifically like these stay indoors Mitchell and Webb sketches. Um, yeah, remain yeah. indoors. Uh, Rory, what about you? Anything thrilling, exciting? Um, I have been playing Marvel Champions Rise of the Red Skull and beat the first scenario in that nice. um, after losing it. So. <clears throat> Last one, one, one. Um, I've been giving Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion a try, uh, playing mm -hmm. solo two-handed. And kind of waiting to see what the cool thing is about the game. Uh, <laughs> have you played the regular Gloomhaven? No. I have. Okay. I I've played it twice or something. So... Because in in contrast, um, and it's quite a different game, but this arrived from Kickstarter, which I had backed ages ago, um, and it's basically a book to go with uh, Myth. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ulysses Spiegel have taken it over from MegaCon. Um, that's beautiful artwork. Like, so it's kind of like a <laughs> beautiful artwork opens it up. Two <laughs> full, of, of text. full of text. Um, wonderful typography, also. Oh, it's like I do appreciate good layout. Um, and yeah, that kind of came in, and that has myth has a kind of hand management aspect to it, which is really flavorful, I think, in the game. And so, I'm kind of so far, I, you know, I'm on the second scenario, it's introducing bits as you go along. Um, but I'm kind of yeah, going like, when's the thing, like, wh what's the thing, the mechanic, or the thing that makes Gloomhaven so cool? Because you yeah. haven't uncovered it yet. No, I haven't. Well, there's yet. always hope. Yeah. What is it? My dad so, always used to say, ah, there's two hope in this world, Bob Hope and No Hope. No Hope, yeah. And if, <laughs> it's just so like dad jokes before they were dad jokes. Um, I, meanwhile, have played only our own stuff um, because uh, I want super well at the weekend, so they're kind of sucky. Um, me and Rory, we got together. Uh, on the Let's Play Friday stream, and I had my butt handed to me again on Prism Arena. Thank you, Rory. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll go easy on me one time. Uh, I went easy on you that time, Michael. You did, actually, you did go easy on me that time. I was about it. Sorry. Uh, and then uh, Monday, I tried out the Adventure Mart solo uh, on the Let's Play Monday stream which was cool, going up against the Vendatron, and again, I was not victorious, which is probably a bit of a spoiler for uh, Yoss, who was watching it on uh, on the YouTube re uh, repeats. Yeah, put, put Ken's comment up. Yeah, corporate shill. What do you expect? <laughs> it's called the freaking Hub Games Hangout, Ken. What do you expect? Yeah, but I mean, you're only five minutes in, and that's like, you didn't, it wasn't like between under the under the radar, you just like went no, like we we get it out of the way up front, and then oh okay, yeah, then we can like talk about everything else. <laughs> um, I I have been playing. Well, it's less playing; it's more being a part of the cultural phenomenon that is baseball. So that uh, that took up a chunk of my time over the weekend of voting for weird things in this weird fake baseball game that we're all just trying to mold in our own image so uh yeah that was good that 
Um, yeah, I think you just said too many words that didn't make sense. All right, yeah, it, it is a fake virtual baseball league that is entirely so entirely driven by a group called the um, the Games Gang, I believe is their name. Um, but the law and the story and everything around it is entirely driven by the community, and it is it, it's sort of like a. a yeah, it's like a collaborative giant storytelling experience. If you took like but with standard baseball. regular baseball and then mixed it with the very, very, very weird world of a <clears throat> hundred thousand people's brains and I mean, okay, there was a picture called Jalen Hot Dog Fingers. Uh, she got murdered. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, she got like incinerated by an umpire. And then a sacrifice happened as she came back from the depths. Uh, that's one of the nine and a half million things that happened. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you just talk about it. You have to play. <laughs> <laughs> you could have put that at the beginning. Um, and you could have just cut the whole thing. Yeah, understood. That's okay. true. That is true. Oi, you're a guest here. I can what? kick you out if I need to. <laughs> I could leave if I wanted to. I actually, you, you could. No, you can't. Actually, <laughs> if you try to leave, you'll find. The Hub Games Hangout is like the uh, the Hotel California of um, internet broadcasting. You can check out any time, but you may never leave. Yeah. And with that poignant... Like ominous tone. Ominous <laughs> tone. <laughs> Let's go into our conversation topic of the week. Um, so yeah, we are going to talk about collaborative design. Um, we We often see sort of like, you know, you see a game on a shelf, Hopefully, the company who's published it have put the designer's name on it. And a lot of the time, you might see the names Matt Dunstan and Brett Gilbert on them, but not alone, often together, because inexplicably, you two have managed to make a whole load of games with each other without killing each other. I mean, these days, the only only way you'll find us together is on a box, though, not not in real life. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship broke down so much, well, Matt fled for the main part of Europe. He's in another country now, so, you know, what can I do? It is, um, it is better now. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Rory and well, I... Look um, behind you, Brett, up. because tonight... <laughs> well, behind this door right here. Right. <laughs> so it just opens it up, and it's just Matt hiding in there, going, like, waving him back. Um, but, yeah, Matt, uh, Rory and I have also, like, you know, collaborated. Obviously, we did um, Holding On Trouble Like a Billy Kerr together as well um and we figured it would be a, a nice topic because you most game designs it seems do have like a singular designer on the front you know front of it and then the rest of the work is done by like in-house developers or whatever but if you're putting together a game as a pair or as a group um obviously the dynamic behind it is going to be a lot different um so i mean i guess the, the first thing to ask is how did you two get to first know each other and where did sort of like the uh, the leap from people just hanging out with each other to let's make a game go let's go matt you can kick off with the director <laughs> yeah. we both we both know the story although brett will correct me i guess uh no it started when i am old Yes, shut up, Dad. Go, you know. That's a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> Why you little, you young whippersnapper? That's a different part of the story, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I moved. I moved to Cambridge in the UK in 2011 to do my PhD. I'm, I'm Australian, in case it doesn't come out in my voice. Um, and I stalked Brett via the interwebs when he hadn't scoured all, you know, all presents. Uh, 
away as he's as he's done now. Uh, and I I have found his blog. And actually, if is the blog still there, Brett? In any no, shape or everything form, everything is expunged. I don't exist. I'm like a ghost. Uh, it's a real shame because they, I mean, uh, without it was really it was a really really good blog. It was and at, at at that time, you know, ten years ago, there weren't a lot of game design blogs or even designers really talking about uh, the process of design. And Brett had a really excellent series of articles. Really, I think you know, taking deep dives into different mechanisms, uh, not necessarily on specific games, um, different types of players. And so I found, I, you know, I found this website and I don't know why I just decided to reach out to Brett and uh, I must have known you were British and I thought, well, who knows? And it just turned out that Brett was in Cambridge as well, where I was moving to. So um, we started meeting once a week in a pub uh, and Brett, I think you had, I mean, we both probably have, were already designing at that time. So we had some things that we'd sort of bring along and, and try with each other. And I think over time, it, for me, I, I was I was a little less experienced. And I think it was just natural for me to sort of think about working with somebody else uh, to learn more about how to design and, and to make better games or make different games than the, the mm -hmm. type of games I, I were make, was making at the time. Uh, you know, in my other job, I'm a scientist and that's, that's a really normal thing to do. You know, if you've got a problem, you go to someone else and say, can we work on it together? You have a speciality, I have a speciality, why not we, you know, join forces? Um, mm -hmm. So maybe I, I subconsciously applied that to game design. And uh, the rest is kind of history, I, I guess. That that group is now, you know, we started essentially a playtesting group that's now been running for, for 10 years, basically. Um, cool. Which is... So Brett, you're sort of like in Cambridge, working away, doing your thing, and then, an email drops into your inbox and it's like, hello, I'm, I'm an Australian person. Um, good day to you. <laughs> I'm assuming that's exactly what the text read. Um, wow. So what's your, what's your side of the story? Well, it is quite a long time ago, but I mean, it was all, it was, I think it just was a very opportune moment. Cause I think that was the first, it happened around the first time I went to Essen and I just met Rob Harris and John Yarney kind of slightly by accident. Mm -hmm. And they were going to Essen and they asked me, they like, they kind of invited me to go to Essen with them. He's like, wow, okay, I'll do that then. And I think that was around the same time. That was the first time we actually met in person, was it yeah, Essen 2011? Yeah, we met at Essen, um, which, and that was bef that was when it was all new and I'd never done any of it before. And I'd mm -hmm. not, you know, the idea of designing a game and actually pitching it to a company was alien, but it was the next year <clears throat> it was only took a year when we started meeting and working together. You know, we went to Essen as designers. Um, I'd had one game published, essentially, Divinare from Masmodee, which, you know, that's mm. uh, has its own story, but that was a bit of a fluke anyway. Um, and it, uh, we went to, we had a game and we got, we reached out to people in the UK, designers that we knew who had contacts with um, publishers. We set up some meetings, we turned up and just figured it out as we went along. It was kind of crazy. I think we had like 13 or 14 meetings that first Blimey. year, but we only had one game. Yeah. <laughs> like we got really good at explaining it as well. <laughs> so what was uh, what was that first game? It was a game called Venice, I think, which isn't exactly the most original of titles. Um, and it was a, and I don't quite, how do you describe it, Matt? Because it was- It was, it was, a, a, it was a light sort of, you know strategy family strategy style game uh you you had a map of venice 
you had a you had a a person on the land and a person in a gondola and you could move them independently around the around the city and you were you know delivering some goods here and there you know standard eurofare but it had a really nice uh sort of evolving you had a little small tableau which would uh contain both the goods you could trade and the actions sort of little bonuses you had and as you traded things you'd get away you'd give away bonuses and you'd so it it had some nice little twists and and yeah. you know forty five minutes sort of sort of game, yeah. but it's never I mean, seen the light of day. After yeah, I mean, Although birth yeah. to a different game, which hopefully will see the light of day, which may yet be called Venice, <laughs> close to that. <laughs> but it's taken a long time to get there. But yeah, that was just you know, and it was I suppose it was a really positive and productive experience. And from that out of our uh, meeting and our decision to play to each other's games and work together we slightly grew the meetup that we started in Cambridge because I knew that the people, the, the two guys behind War on Terror were based in Cambridge. So Andrew Sheeran and um, Tom Morgan-Jones, the illustrator. Those were um, terrible, terror Yeah, terrible games, game, yeah. exactly. And I reached out to them over the interwebs and he, they, they started coming to our little gathering. So there were like four of us uh, and, you know, we'd have our little kind of Euroly game stuff and, Andrew would turn up with some kind of bonkers political tirade in the form of a game, and <laughs> but but at the same time I, we were going to the meetups in the the Playtest UK meetups in London, <clears throat> still just like once a month, um, and it just all kind of happened at the same time within the space of like two or three years, really. Just like um, a nice fortuitous selection of events coming well, coming was, together. I mean, it was. It was just. It felt like that at the time, anyway, because. I'd never almost dreamt, I'd never even thought about going to Essen before I met Rob and got invited to go. Mm. And of it was made possible for me. I wouldn't have done it on my own. <laughs> like it's all collaboration, isn't it? If somebody else comes along and says, oh, hey, why don't we do this? It's like, oh, maybe we could do that then. Cause on your own, it's pretty hard. So I guess it, yeah, it's less daunting with somebody, you know, by your side, I guess. It's massively less. Yeah, I mean, we've had hundreds of meetings, you know, we've been to Essen, we, you know, nine years, whatever it is. I've had hundreds of meetings and to do that on your own would have been absolutely exhausting and incredibly demoralizing as well because <laughs> you know you have, you have lots of meetings and then you spend a lot of time you you know you turn up with your thing that you one or other or both of you have made and you put it on the table and they just sort of shake their head and sort of usher you away or and it's if you were on your own and you couldn't storm out and turn to your compatriot and go what a bastard then it would be actually really hard work <laughs> well you also you at least have a friend i mean those sort of experiences if you're a design i mean and maybe it's similar when you're on a booth you know you're you're yeah. your own schedule if you're by yourself you wouldn't have any time to catch up with anybody you wouldn't have any friends at least you have one other person there mm -hmm. with you uh, throughout it all so uh, so one of the i have a list of questions to ask over the course so of the prepared, conversation. Rory. So yeah. prepared. Rory writes questions, I just freestyle. Well, no, see, I would tend to go, like, my natural inclination would be to, like, I'll make it up as I go along. And then I go, no, I should actually have, like, one or two questions at least <laughs> prepared. Um, so I'm kind of curious, in terms of, like, collaborating, um, like, what is it that you both think you bring to the relationship and you think the other person brings as well? Um, I'll first. start with Matt. Well, this where has been you, talking, so I think this this is where you need us to both write down what we what we think the yeah, other yeah. person does. Yeah, like the old um, put it up. yeah, newlyweds game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mute one of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think I bring, uh, I, I, I have a lot of ideas. I, I probably keep up with the industry a bit more than Brett does, or at least the, ho- the more hobby side of, of the industry. So I, I probably see more games. I'm, I, I'm always catching up with news. And so I think a lot of that seeps through into thinking about new ideas or iterations on existing mechanisms or, or things like that. So usually I'm bringing a lot of, of new thoughts to the table and I'm reasonably good at coalescing those into a physical playable prototype, even if it's terrible and looks uh, looks extremely bare bones. I'm fairly efficient at doing that. So it, I think I'm quite good at getting across that first hump of getting it out of your head and, and sort of onto the table. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of the games we design together, they don't start as a, I mean, you know, obviously no game could actually, we don't, we're not symbiotically linked or something. You, you don't have the same thought at the same time. So it starts with that one, but, uh, you know, a lot of the times I'm, I'm bringing things to breath. Uh, you know, we just had a call uh, a week ago, for example, where I'll just, I'll go through my notebook and I'll just list eight, eight things. It's like any of those interest you, Brad. <laughs> Thankfully one did, but you know, not always. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I couldn't, I can't do that. I don't have that brain to do that. And it's not true that every single one of our collaborations has like has grown from a seed of Matthews, but it's definitely most of them. Mm. Uh, but and I think that's why I'm like it works as a team, and this is kind of something that we've talked about before. I think is that I'm much more of a developer and an editor, and that you know, and you have to have an opinion, don't you? And if Matt shows me puts eight ideas on the table, and I go, well, I like that one, then we're off to the races. We've got something mm-hmm. to work on, mm-hmm. and it will immediately start changing. You know, we could have a conversation for twenty minutes, and then the very next time there's a prototype, it will have completely it will have shifted in a direction which was a response to that. And we can, and we can, we can start moving. But I think there's that first step of getting out of your head and onto the table is super hard, and that's where a lot of people struggle. Mm-hmm. So just to do that, that's like it's not it's it's like eighty percent of it, but there's twenty. The rest of the twenty percent is is a lot of work potentially, mm-hmm. or maybe not very much work. And it's actually five or ten minutes of conversation. You can get something that's ninety five percent there almost immediately. But I think that's something you can learn. You can both bring your skills to that. So I think we are complementary for sure. Mm-hmm. So do you want to say a bit more like about <clears throat> that aspect you bring as the kind of editor and developer? I mean, I, it, part of it is that I think we have, like I'm a very visual thinker. And so I make pictures of things. And as soon as Matt describes an idea, then I can, I have a, I can build a picture in my head and that helps me think about it. But he's busy thinking about it in a different way. And those can both... Hopefully it's this, isn't it? Hopefully somebody says, well, one, one of us says, okay, it's not that, but maybe it's this. And the other one goes, well, yes, but it could be this or this or this. And so it goes back and forwards. Mm. And I think having different approaches is what allows that to happen. If two people are in that relationship and they both had very similar ways of thinking about it or very similar focuses, then it probably wouldn't or couldn't be as productive, I think. Mm. I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to that many partnerships, so it's hard to know. Um, well, I mean, I, have to, I was actually just thinking as as you were describing like your the thing you bring to the table. I was realizing I've worked with both of you on different things. Like, so <laughs> um, Brett, you were helping with the rules for Prison Arena, and yeah. you know what you're describing is why I had asked you to help with that. Is just um, for me, like you're a questioner. You want to know well, right. why is something the way it is? Um, yeah, I'm always I, doing that. <laughs> really pisses people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some would say it's cantankerous, but uh, well, 
I hope it's not angry or rude. Hopefully it's constructive. There have but, some there have been some new designers who've come along to the Cambridge meetup never to return after their first after they Brett plays their prototype and gives his I, opinion. But I think I deliver my opinion in a relatively um gentle way. Or maybe clearly not, maybe that's untrue. <laughs> <laughs> But I said, so the, but the longer I've gone on, the more opinionated I've become. But you have I'm less not. patience, certainly. Yeah, yeah and I probably that's probably true also. But that's just because you know more about what it is that you think you know. If you see what I mean, like mm -hmm. you developed your view of the world or games or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, no, you're wrong. Well, not you're wrong, but it's just not what I would do. Because that's the problem when you present it to other designers. All they do, and I'm the same, is they tell you the game they would make, not the game you should make. That's all they can do. How could they give you any other? Mm -hmm. And if you can't take that, then it's the, it probably is a bit hard work. <laughs> but hopefully it can be constructed too. Not everybody has run away screaming. Well, that's good. Uh, I, can, I can just picture Matt running after them to go, it's okay, it's okay. He's like this with everyone. Well, that's fairly opinionated too. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that's a bad thing, is it? I mean, you'd have to be, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. No, you, I think that, that, that's also an aspect of, of designing that you get you know with experience it's it's receiving feedback and i think certainly at the start of that process it can be yeah it's just another thing you have to get used to and if you don't have a, a thick skin or, or uh or know how to take on that information then yeah you might react differently so mm -hmm. yeah it, i think it really depends on on the personality of the person and what they're trying to do um I guess. had an interesting point which is uh Matt is the programmer, Brett is the QA. <laughs> it's like, I can, I, can, I can see that. I can see no, that. Well, I, no, I have to say there's more. There's. I mean, it, that's if you boil it all both. the way down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's very true. Um, I, I'd um, like to sort of like build on what you both were saying there. So, Matt, if you'd like step up and you've got the you've got the notepad full of ideas and then, Brett, you sort of like go, okay, so I really like that one. And then you start visualizing it. Matt, you obviously have like a, a, a sort of like semi-vision of it in your head as well. Um, how often do those sort of visions meet up? And how often do those visions completely diverge? And if they do diverge, what, what steps do you take to sort of bring things back together again? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, to be honest, if if... If our thoughts on a game are diverging so rapidly, either that will become two games and we, mm -hmm. we won't try and reconcile it, or we just won't keep working together on, on, on that idea. I think we're, we're in the fortunate position that we have no shortage of projects that we could work on. And I think life's too short. It, it, like at the very start, if you can't share some excitement, it might be an excitement for some different part of the game, but but if you can't share some excitement for an eventual vision or, or eventual game, then trying to force it, I, I think is a bit too much, or maybe Brett is just, you know, too cantankerous to, you know, be able to reason with. But uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you just choose your battles and why, and why it's, you know, life's too short to just, so yeah, I, I'll, if I have an idea and, and Brett, yeah, it sometimes does happen. Then when I'll, I'll I'll make the first prototype and and we'll play it, and I think Brett might sort of go, oh, I had that was really different in my head, or I didn't think that was going to play like that, or or sometimes it just doesn't catch somehow, and and then I think those games, 
yeah, they'll either sort of die at that point or I'll take them off and, and work on them myself or something. Or, or if I really believe that somehow something's been missed, then, then we work from there. But I don't think it's about trying to force two different opinions into one. Mm-hmm. I think it's trying to find some common ground, even if it's a very, very small slice of common ground, you know, even if it's one small part of the original game. That you can both mm-hmm. sort of latch onto and be excited about, or agree is, is is a cool part or a fun part of the game. But I mean, sometimes what happens is there'll be a prototype and it'll be on the table, and we we're both kind of disenchanted with it. Like it's not what Matt hoped it would be when he made it, and it's not what I thought it was going to be when he described it to me. And then maybe it takes a week or a few days, or you we both independently think about it, and one of us will go, "Oh, but it could be this instead." Like it, mm-hmm. it's still. There's still a trajectory from that original prototype to something new, but it could be radically different. Like it could literally be the opposite thing. It's like, well, what if you just flip it around mm-hmm. and turn it into this? Can it still can it still access the thing that was you were trying to look for when you first came up with the idea? And if it can, then it's then it can flow forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it it's there's no magic bullet. I mean, sometimes it's just neither of us particularly interested when you just <laughs> but, but it's just it's not really wasted, is it? Because all that all that stuff goes on and it sort of gets uh, put put away, and sometimes it comes out again years later. But there's like I'm kind of hearing something interesting, and I'm trying to like get my head around it because you can have ideas that you kind of might disagree on, but there always seems to be this kind of drive to try and find something like a common ground to work on, and like I'm guessing what's What's the itch that scratched for you both by working together? Well, I mean, Brett could. Oh, yeah, sorry. You looked like well, you're yeah, trying to. I think we have different attitudes. And the whole editor developer thing, it's like part of that is, well, okay, there's a sort of a solution or there's a kind of a question there. And what, how, how could you change the question to find a more interesting solution? Like there, there's always, there's always a get, there's always a, a game in any idea. And it's not that we've either necessarily challenged ourselves to find it, but sometimes you think, oh, that, that could be really good, and maybe it's not quite what Matt's thinking, or I'm not, you know, we're not on the same page. But one or other of us, or both of us, see something in it which kind of begins to grab us, I guess. And there is a hook there that we can we can work on. And mm-hmm. it and it but it still might not come to anything. But it's partly about trying to find some kind of order or sense in it. Like there is a compulsion, I think. And I, I... we're both scientists, it's all about patterns and maps isn't it it's like how do you build a virtual version of the world that makes sense and if there's an idea there and it doesn't quite make sense then there's that's that can gnaw away at you a little bit mm-hmm. and i think fundamentally we both still just want to make new games I, I, you know even outside of sort of commercial i mean i'm not gonna say as, a, as an art thing but i think both of us are driven by some sort of curiosity intellectual curiosity you know with a new idea what what could it be you know what what could that end product be and I, I think there is that is for me that's what keeps coming back it, it's that kind of curiosity excitement as to I know I and with with a certain amount of experience you know the point where you start at can be so radically different from from the end of the of the movie or in the end of the journey you kind of want to know what that end is you know it's like it's like mm-hmm. a good book you want to know what the twist was you want to know what the what the conclusion was so I think we're both driven to get to that conclusion and to see what the most exciting conclusion is uh, and to keep searching for it. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you find something you didn't realize was there. And that kind of that can be sometimes quite exciting. 
like, oh, all this while there was this idea under, and like hiding under the surface of it, mm -hmm. and we've revealed it, and that can be exciting, even if nobody else likes the idea. At least there's that. <laughs> that at least journey. there's two of you who well, do. No, but it, it does it does kind of speak to the soul slightly, isn't it? It's like, oh wow, we found something that was kind of hiding in plain sight, and we could have missed it. So how exciting to to discover it. It's like the magic was inside you all along. <laughs> like that, but, you know, less saccharine. But, but with maths uh, and science and stuff. Um, what, was the, what was the first, like, published collaboration between the two of you? And, and how, did it, how did it feel, sort of, like, going through that process together? I mean, obviously, like, Brett, you had Divinare as, like, your solo, uh, like, your, your solo debut. Um, Matt, I think your first proper debut was Rival? That uh, was uh, uh, Relic Runners? Yeah. Yep. Uh, which is where we met, of course. That's because I, I came yes. and did a big interview with you, which was, uh, which was really yeah. cool. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I know, I know. Yeah, I didn't interview you, though, Brett, because... I was waiting for him to go with you. Well, it wasn't <laughs> my game, <laughs> was it? No, no, no. Um, but yeah, so what was what was the first one that sort of like, you know, you were both on the box cover? And, and Leah, like I said, how was that, that sort of like journey? Well, is it Elysium? I think that's yeah. the first that was released. I had this feeling that it wasn't the first signed, but no. I think it probably was the first release. Which is kind of crazy thing that was the first one because it was such a huge release, you know, and it garnered such a lot of attention. Um, but that and that had an enormously long journey towards its end, crazily long journey. Um, so that's kind of an aberrant, it was a really aberrant case in a way. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to describe where it started because it didn't start anywhere near where it ended. Was it like completely different theme, or was it like Matt? You had like this idea of like it's got to be about the gods, and it's yeah, going to be. I want these weird rate. columns. Well, I know because we wrote it up, but there's a there's a quite a long designer diary on PGG hmm. if anybody's super interested. Um, <laughs> and we wrote up, and it went through like nine completely different versions, and the only thing that carried there was a thread that carried all of those different games, which were quite radically different, were these set of dice we made for the mm -hmm. first version which was this big sort of sprawling adventure kind of um, thing which didn't work i mean maybe there was something there but we didn't make it work and so these dice carried us all the way through and we almost gave up several times i think we almost gave up so one of us or the other said no no no, no. maybe there's still <laughs> there's still something waiting to be discovered mm. and space cowboys were very excited about it and actually they signed it quite quickly i think um but they're French, so you know they're like, well, let's go on with it. They're not Germans. They're not going to take nine months to decide whether or not they like it, and then think for another nine months whether they want to publish it. But the, um, the one thing they did was get rid of the dice. So oh, they, really? They killed the one thing that was their. Actually, they were really sheepish about telling us. We had a very diplomatic email from them saying, "We still love your game." They'd already signed it at that point. They've been working on it for some time. Yeah, we've decided to. You know, I hope you're all right if we just get rid of the dice. So, sure, well, fine. But it was kind of, it's a good end to the story because that was the one thing that had carried yeah. through. It, it had served its purpose. It had served it, exactly. Yeah. I, I it guess yeah, about, it got you, you where know, it needed to go. Yeah, and just, you know, kill your darlings. And we'd never even thought about getting rid of the dice. It never occurred mm. to either of us because, of course, by definition, that's what the game was. That, that was yeah. its foundation. I, just I mean, that being said, it. they didn't. Oh. Sorry, I was just going to say that being said, that, I mean, the dice weren't. The dice became the columns. They they sort of just yeah, yeah. lost half half of their meaning, so they were still present. But, yeah, yeah the that's true. The mechanism they represented, but the randomness was removed, and it was the right call because I'm sure lots of gamers would have been very upset that 
the game could have been that random or they'd have had to deal with that randomness or mitigate it etc mm. um but it's yeah that had a really interesting and very long journey which could easily have just fizzled into nothing <laughs> several times i think left on the so, side of a hill like a spartan child a bit like that i imagine yeah <laughs> um so i'm curious and like what's and I know it's different for every single game and every single title, but I'm, I'm trying to think of people watching, like, can you give them give an example of the journey that a game would, like, if you pick a game and kind of describe the journey of it going from initial conversation through to um, it being picked up or not by a publisher? Yeah, does it does it, like, bounce back and forth between you two like a tennis ball or... You know, do, do, are there are there times when you come together and there's like, you know, we're, okay, we're going to work on this very specifically and then diverge and then come back and diverge? And the answer, yes. Next. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, it's not like that. I don't think we work on, we don't work on games independently. Either there'll be a version of the game or there won't. And if there is, we can both potentially play test it or, of course, in usual times, play test it together. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not as if I go off and build my own prototype and Matt goes off and builds a different mm -hmm. one and we come back and go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that it's all all of those decisions are collaborative and they're made mm -hmm. simultaneously. Um, but I don't know, Matt. Have you thought of a good example? Uh, You're staring at your shelf. Yeah, I am staring oh. at my shelf. Uh, maybe. Well, I mean, like Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time, reasonably recent game, cooperative game with from Funforge. Uh, we and we started really. I think actually the the origins of that was something almost trying to make a clue a cluedo like cooperative game somehow mm -hmm. and we started with this house um and in this case actually the initial idea didn't deviate so much from the final like the final form obviously a lot mm -hmm. of details changed but but the kind of the scope of the game was sort of there from the start i made the first few prototypes again with very very basic graphics i mean graphics is is already a, a you know, a stretch. generous term. <laughs> yeah. It's a stretch. Uh, you know, this is sort of like you know, box, words like and boxes. lines. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was pretty much that, and and there were, and we 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 would so we would meet and and play it together usually. And I think there's usually a point in, in most of the games we work on that, um, or uh, especially. I mean, in any game, it's obviously started in one person's head. And I think there's a point where the other person latches onto that idea and can start not only understanding it, but but adding things to it in a, in a meaningful way, because they can, can start to in, interrogate that or, or at least understand the problems or, or what, what needs to be changed. And I think, uh, you know, there was a point where Brett sort of came on board and, and uh, sort of rethought, for example, how what was the point of the game? Because originally... I think there was a convoluted sense of getting points for picking up items around the house. And, and, and I think Brett certainly saw it. Okay. Why is it just a simple kind of, you know, hide and seek almost that you, you know, you have mm -hmm. to find these things before the, the professor hides them away. And I think also around that time, we came up with this die system that is a sort of a, a way to control the professor. So we, I think we were also interested in a cooperative game where the, the threat or the foe is, is real and present in the game. It's not some, ominous you know thing like a pandemic or you know mm -hmm. or 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 a flood that's you know outside your control it's 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 a real character the pawn's there 
uh, you would often be swearing at, at him as he would, you know, as you would roll the dice, he'd do exactly what you didn't want him to do. And yeah, and, and then there's a point where on a more practical level that Brett also takes over the prototype, I would say, because one of the other skills which we haven't talked about is that Brett has a, a really great experience in, in graphic design and in sort of copy editing and, and, and these different things. And so Brett's prototypes are not in the same league essentially and there'll be there'll be a point where it's it's sort of real enough and and it's sort of solid enough that brett will sort of take what you know my scribbles that we've been using to that point and and essentially redesign it and, and in that redesign brett will also come with a bunch of questions it's sort of like well this happened you know i see the board works like this but couldn't the logic of how the rooms are connected up couldn't it work like this or or I thought, oh, there are 20 cards and there are only five reds and three blues. Why is that? Shouldn't there be four reds and four blues? Or, you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's all that that interrogation and, yeah. and just uh, checking. And it's and it, it's not just QA. It's not just saying there's four reds and, you know, five reds and there should be four and four. No, it'll come with suggestions or why can't it be like this? Or Sorry, it just it made me think of something that I think is it's important to kind of recognize that different people are like, they respond to different inputs, I think, and they get you thinking in different ways. Because as you were talking about, like Brett working on the board, I realized that it's why I often lay stuff out as well, because in the process of laying it out, I'm kind of thinking about the player and how they're going to interact with that thing. And it gives me an idea for how to improve the gameplay experience. Whereas if I kept it in the abstract, I wouldn't have that insight. You know, for me, it's the tactile thing is what allows me to see those opportunities, maybe in a way where, Michael, I think you can see the game. I picture like the numbers spinning around your head as you're you're thinking about it, whereas I need to we've, have something tangible. Yeah, we've described it as like, you, you need to have the physical there. And I'm just sort of like sat there on the ship in the Matrix, just sort of like I, <laughs> I see the numbers and it's like, okay, yeah, this will work. Um, like, yeah, I don't believe you. Has a brain that does that. I can't do numbers. I'm terrible with economies and stuff. I can never figure it out. But at least when it's on a piece of paper and I'm drawing it out or I'm writing the rules, I do quite like writing rules. But I use them as a tool. It's a it's part of the design process. It isn't yeah. something you only do at the end because you often come up against. I often come up against things which I don't understand. And if you can't write them simply enough, then they shouldn't be in the game, is my opinion. Um, but. And that's the only way you're going to discover that is if you actually try to write them down mm -hmm. in a way that you think makes sense. And so I'm always a bit bewildered by people who only write the rules at the end. It's like, well, how do you know it's going to make any kind of sense on the paper if you haven't gone through that? But for me, that's part of the process. Uh, and I always write rules really early. Like mm -hmm. I can't enjoy writing them, but it's part of the process of understanding what a game actually is um, and what it could be potentially, and also drawing pictures. So. Uh, I'm not an, a professional graphic designer, but I can make things look, I can go like 80% of the way there. And it's kind of interesting, not in any either of the cases I think that we've, we've been talking about, but in, for some, for some uh, projects and for some companies, it's kind of scary how close to, or how very much small, you know, there was tiny steps they've taken away from the prototype that I made or the kind of graphic design choices I came up with. How, how little they've really had to go very away from that. And I'm not sure they're being lazy. Well, they, maybe they are being lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I think it helps to show them. I think in terms of pitching, it, it it's yeah. kind of a myth of a beautiful prototype, but actually it, 
I think it needs to be clear. It needs to be coherent and intelligible. And graphic design is part of that. And if you can do that for them, it's just easier for them to say yes. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, a great thing I had learned. Um, we used to give a talk called the like the little red hen story, and it was the idea of if you're trying to get people on board with something, if you just pitch them like the idea, the concepts, they the way their brains work, they don't visualize or picture that thing. So making it real for them helps to get them on board. <clears throat> so like by having a fairly well-developed prototype helps them to see the potential. And especially if the physicality of the game is important, right? Um, that's important to convey earlier on. But it does drive me crazy where sometimes I think people are like, oh yeah, that's grand. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I'm showing you like the, uh, or you see it in games where you're like, yeah, that was kind of like the rough version of the game that they, they were shown and they just went, yeah, that's good enough. Like we'll just knock it out because their brain doesn't think about the game visually. They, it, they think and play a game like mathematically or, or whatever it, it might be. Whereas like I would play the game visually. So the visual components are really hmm. important. But I think a lot of the people who are kind of making the choices in, the, in some of the publishers their head is more in the gameplay math aspect of it more so than the uh, visual aesthetic experience of it. I mean, obviously, uh, Professor Evil is a really good example because Funforge did such an amazing job with the mm. production of it. And they really pushed it. They really interrogated it. They didn't just take what we gave them and made it pretty. They did ask really serious questions about the game and forced us to reevaluate quite a lot of the detail in it, actually, even though the form didn't change. So actually, that's what you want. You want a company who can do that and can bring that to the table. For sure. And more specifically, we got to work with a great developer, Doria Rostan, uh, who who really took on the game as her own, essentially. Uh, mm. And it's always great to be able to work with with people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you need a champion as well. That's if, if for a game to really for a product to really succeed. Mm -hmm. like that, you need somebody in the company who is just as enthusiastic, or maybe even more enthusiastic than you are, and can really see how to take it and make it work in their environment um, rather than just kind of kick it out mm. the door. It looks nice, doesn't it? That's, it's not, it doesn't give it any kind of longevity, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm hogging the questions, Michael. Um, what, so like you've talked about, you've kind of some design skill to bring to the, the table, Brett, but like what are some skills from your, because you, you, you both, Matt, I know you have full-time, job outside uh, of game design. Brett, you work elsewhere? Are you full-time designer? No, I think the short answer is no. I used to have a job. <laughs> and I, still oh, okay. I, I mean, I worked in publishing, so I had an editorial design position within publishing. And then I worked in a kind of, in a within a um, online retailer, which developed more of my kind of technical flash graphics. Mm. It was still very much for a purpose. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, like I'm not an illustrator, I can't draw pictures. I can make information presentable, but that's a different skill. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the skill in the, the editorial skill is really useful when writing rules. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what skills from kind of outside or from other aspects of your life do you see are key that you bring into the collaborative process? I mean, we are both physical scientists. There's a surprising number of physical scientists who are game designers. Um, I mean, we're both, we're both, we're not just physical scientists, we're, I mean, by training at least. <laughs> I, I have a material science degree and mm. math 
an actual material scientist who does actual material science. But it's kind of weird in a way um, that 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 it, because it's a very applied science. It's not. A, it's I think that's part of it. I mean, that's partly why I was attracted to it at university. I think it was practical. It had a practical side to it, at least in the way mm. it was mm. taught time a very long time ago um <laughs> but it, it wasn't it wasn't entirely abstract so there was a mm -hmm. physicality to it um which maybe spanned like two parts of two different kind of disciplines um but in terms of actual skills that i use in game design other than things i've learned professionally or had to do repeatedly so i've got slightly better at them such as graphic design or editorial stuff the only stuff I actually use is like A-level maths when I have to do some probability calculations and figure out how likely it is that, you know, 17 dice have rolled for seven times, whatever whatever it might be. Like, at least I have an access, I have access to how to do that, some understanding of that. But that's about the only bit of my actual formal education that I ever use. What about you, Matt? What, from the uh, the outside world, what do you what do you bring to the gaming table or the designing table? <laughs> I, th I think a certain aspect of project management I'm reasonably good at. I think doing a PhD, for example, is a lot about project management, actually you know, managing a lot of different uh, experiments, different projects, different outcomes, and managing not just the work, but also time around that. And I think that's why I'm able to work on so many different projects at the same time and, and with a lot of different people and keep up with all the sort of the communication and documentation and and all of that around it. Uh, I certainly, I mean, Brett would agree, I'm probably the more organized in that in, in our collaboration. Like I, I'm the one who sort of keeps the records of, of meetings and I'm the one who yeah. set up, sets things, those things up for Essen and, and, uh, and other parts. And I, I usually am the one trying to keep up with publishers and kind of keep, uh, you know, some sense of where the, the timeline for things are and or to sort of check in with people. And uh, so I think that is actually quite a useful skill because I think, not all designers have, have had to have that experience before. And it means it gives me the freedom and flexibility to work on and to keep switching from different things, even within one day or, or two days. If you want to be a full-time designer, you need to be able to work on different projects at different stages and having some training in that is, is quite useful. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part, I guess, is, is related to what we're talking about now is, is collaboration. I think that, I guess that, I was, and and I should say in, in science, it, open collaboration is unfortunately not always a virtue that's instilled in, in everyone. It, it, I think it depends a lot on the people you work with, and especially your your boss, your the professor you you know you work with. I was extremely lucky. I've, I've had two professors I've worked with, both amazing people, and and were really they were driven by science. They weren't driven by politics, or they weren't driven by power, or trying to you know, command a fiefdom, which unfortunately you do get. And then this, again, not just in science happens in, in mm -hmm. lots of, you know, middle management, but what they instilled was this, this, this interest in the core activity. And we all should contribute to that. Nobody, you know, nobody's too important or, uh, or not important enough to contribute, to speak up, to share their ideas, to try and uh, collaborate, to contribute. And I think I've taken that sense of openness and just why, why not? Uh, to, to game design. So, you know, a lot of new collaborations start up because I, you know, you're just talking with someone and you just say, well, why don't we just work on something together? Mm -hmm. You know, there's not, there's not that sense of ownership or, or pride, I guess it, it's just, you know, let's, let's share these things. And actually I think that's a really, you know, 
key point if you're talking about like what skills do you need to collaborate it's that desire and openness to have your kind of views and opinions be challenged by someone else who you respect i think that has to be a key part of it and i kind of think of it in terms of i'd always say in my relationship with anita over the years like we've we went to kind of design school together and it was that mutual respect that i think is key to a healthy kind of working relationship um where if someone challenges you you respect where they're coming from and are able to take it on board and and know that the intent is to make it better that you're both working on as well because i'd imagine there's people who have ideas and enjoy designing games but they're not really interested in having their view questioned or challenged you know they, they have the singular vision um whereas i get the sense from you guys that you know there's a strength in both of you bringing your different skill sets to bear on a kind of shared idea yeah you have to give up ownership at some point mm. you, you have to accept that that idea is going to become something actually outside of both of you in some mm-hmm. way and you're both both contributing to it and yeah you definitely have to be open to you know, you're absolutely right you have to be open to it not only be judged but kind of be rejected you know that you, you think an idea is great but then then someone else says no no and but of course the best thing is if if, if you can respect that and you can take that on board that's how things improve i it's a bit similar to a designer developer relationship not between Brett and I, but but say between a designer and a publisher and developer, in that having that ability to actually welcome the input from someone else who you know will will challenge you and will disagree with you, will all I have this fervent opinion that it will always make the game better. In fact, I that's why I will never self-publish my games because I think they would just be worse right. for doing that essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 uh, it's if you can be open, it's a great strength. Uh, it's a great, uh, you, things move quicker. You, you make better products more quickly, uh, and who that are actually, uh, approachable and fun to a wider range of people. Because at the very start, it was, they were interesting to two different people with different interests and backgrounds. And I think we both had that attitude even from the beginning when we first started pitching to publishers, neither of us felt that. It, we we knew that once a publisher was interested or took it away from us, that it was it wasn't ours anymore. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't be. and I think lots of people struggle with that, um, like the idea of that that somebody might take it away and change it, and then publish, mm-hmm. it, and then somehow it's it's not yours anymore. But that's the whole point. So I think, but neither of us struggled with that kind of aspect for the with the developer with the uh, publisher relationship. I think we kind of both understood that from the outset that that was what it was going to have to be what it had needed to be to to be successful yeah i think eventually you have to realize that the game is going to you know the game once published as well it doesn't just become it's it's not just your game that then moves to the publisher's game it becomes the player's game you know so it's going to be going out to a bigger audience anyway hopefully so i think the earlier you you realize that um you know it's okay to say you know, go off my go off my child and and make your success. Um, the the better it is. Um, we actually have a question from uh, from Yoss on the chat who says, "Is there a sweet spot in the amount of people to collaborate to make a game? Is working with two on a game better than six? <laughs> How many six <clears throat> like large team of design successful designers? Do you know, I don't think more than two is 
is really practical myself i'm not sure we've really tried it but if there's two of you you either agree or you don't mm -hmm. if two of you, it becomes a vote and then it's like well how does that work um i think there's, I there's a bunch of like euro no, can work. design groups isn't there like i mean there are but they may and maybe they it would be interesting to know wouldn't it be like how do they work do, is it this kind of like mess of collaboration or is it very do they have roles within that hmm. it, it's yeah i mean i well maybe i've just never tried but i think it would be a lot harder to make progress early on potentially mm. because you just there's just too many voices in the room i guess and how could you all have you you're going to have to have less and less ownership of it i mean you need some ownership of it and you need to be able to give away that ownership but <laughs> it has to be something you can get your claws into that you feel that you're excited about and that might get watered down if there were too many people so it's like having, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's just like having a, you need enough of a stake in it or like it's an, literally an investment of yourself in it to then put the energy in to, to realize it. Whereas if that's diluted across multiple people, the risk is that when it's not going the way you would like to see it go, that you can check, you can kind of check out of the process. Does somebody has to... At any one point, some one one person within that collaborate collaborative team has to be pushing it forward, and it's not often both of you at the same time. Mm -hmm. More and more people there are. It's like, well, maybe he's doing it. Maybe that guy's doing it. Maybe the other guy's. And what's his name? Yeah, whoever he is, he's probably up. He's probably on it. So I'll just sit here and I I'll just wait. Was any two of you? And mm -hmm. Matt is right. He is the project manager. Like either he's doing it or he's asking me to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, so it's a binary thing, I suppose, isn't it? It's like it's either happening or it isn't. You either agree or you don't. And I think with more people, it could get really messy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I know there's a bunch of like, um, like especially I think lighter party games or more uh, mass market games, they will generally have a wider range of designers, stroke developers, however they're credit on the box. Um, so whether it's sort of like, Maybe two people like, working together, or, or like the it's room, they just accept that as soon as they've all played one game, then it's kind of belongs to all of them, and that's just mm -hmm. a way of creating lots of ideas. And that's probably potentially quite a good way to work if you've got the right mix of people who can surrender their ego to it, you know, readily enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's strange. It's almost like um, writing comedy, like writing sitcoms. The like all of the the great British sitcoms were generally written by, you know, one or two people. But like you think about um, the American like sitcoms is always written about, it's mm -hmm. it's the writer's room. There's always like a whole bunch of people. And the, I'm sort of like comparing that with um, the folks at Funko Games. Like they're like a, a mm -hmm. large group who, when yeah. they sort of like, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's never an individual name on the front of the box. It's a, no. it's, it's a Funko Games product. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, their collaboration system is going to be very different to two people sitting across a table from each other or sitting in the same office or whatever. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, mean, I, 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 I think small is better personally. Go on, sorry. No, 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 I'm done. No, I was just going to, that's another point, isn't it? Like you've got three or four people, how do you get them all together at the same time? You mm -hmm. have to, it has to be, for, for the collaboration to happen, there has to be a sense of, commonality about it i guess mm. it's harder and harder to do it with more people it's not impossible but it must be harder for lots of reasons both practical and kind of emotional yeah i like I know, that's what i think anyway i don't know i mean i think it's entirely possible i think the 
decision making is an important one in terms of like not you need to use consent rather than um you know majority rules in that kind of scenario because you don't want someone checking out of the yeah the kind of decision making process um but like when a game gets to us at a technically like a development level but the i mean the two overlap like we the different voices are really helpful to check the different aspects so you know the way you would both come have i think different gaming interests um for us and our team we've people with very different gaming interests and it's really helpful to get those different perspectives but they usually come get involved at a later stage they're not there at the kind of early game mechanic mechanic side mm -hmm. of things i think i think that's a key point i think it's it's difficult i think what we're talking about, or i think brent's also especially when you when you have a product that you're developing it it, it has a stable base you sort of know there are a few things that aren't going to change probably hopefully mm -hmm. at that point uh which i think it makes it that more that idea that that product more resilient to lots of different input because you, you sort of have a filter to put that through because you know that this part of the game is is always going to be that way that's the point of the game or, or, or whatever mm -hmm. i think early on in in a design process when you don't have that and you you know anything's up for grabs the the more voices you have then and it's similar to when you play test a very early uh, design and you have playtesters trying to redesign the game and and if you don't have anything to hold on to lots of voices don't help you find that center that just will keep tipping you out of equilibrium in different different ways mm -hmm. or at least that's that that's how i think about it and i think i think larger teams i think is an interesting idea but that that starting point that trying to to find the core of a game uh in some ways it's 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 always personal and, it, and it's just uh everyone's taking on the mantle of that design you know solo over time but mm -hmm. you know it ends up a co-design but only one person at a time is sort of pushing it forwards and and remaking it yeah um so i'm watching the clock as well uh is there a particular like theme or topic because I'm, I'm trying to not say person but is there like a theme or a topic that you'd really love to collaborate with someone on that you're like i really want to do this but i don't think i could do it on my own uh well i mean there's there's a there's a whole range of games that i very much enjoy playing similar to what i said at, at start uh grand australia tell all these sort of 60 to 90 minute strategic euros steffenfeld was a big designer here of mine earlier mm -hmm. uh and i have tried a lot of times to design these style of games but for whatever reason have never really happened across a way of of getting there so i think finding a way to to work in this in that world uh and and i and we know i, I know lots of who are friends who design these styles of games um i think that's still something that i would love to in, in a very nebulous way because it's not it's not a really specific theme or a specific mm. it's just a uh bruno Cadella always says that he designs games that he loves to play and i don't know if i can honestly say that about my games not that i don't enjoy them but they're not born of i wish this game existed for me it's a much more like even a just intellectual pursuit of can mm. this game exist is it does it work what's the problem what's the puzzle i would like to once make you know somehow replicate you know capture the lightning in the bottle that i mm. love in what i'm playing and and somehow be able to make that maybe you can't do that because the moment you work on mm. something it, it it means something different to you it can never yeah. hold that same place but that's that's a small thing for me i guess 
I can picture you like, Brett, just once, just once, can I make a game <laughs> that I want to play? Well, I think Matt's not asking you to make games like that. Because he yeah. Well, I do hate them. I'm kind of sick of your yeah. game. And I'm particularly sick of Grand Austria Hotel. That was potentially the Eurogame that killed it. You actually, you actually walked away mid-game. You refused to keep playing it. Well, I, it was just, I, it was just a futile act. You were already like 80 points ahead of me. I just, it was, it was almost the very last Eurogame that I decided to play. Because it, I, and I get why people like it. It's just everything about it is exactly the thing that I hate about Eurogames. Now. Um, and that's fine. I just, it's like, if I know that, I might as well not play them. What's the point? I mean, it's just a waste of everybody's time, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's just a trade of playing with Matt. I played, I don't know if you remember when you played Innovation in, we, when we met up in London. And it was like that. I was oh, like, yeah. I was really enjoying your company, but you're thrashing me <laughs> in the game. It was just like. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't worried about losing. It was just, I could see that I could never win it. I didn't even understand yeah. How to do any better than terribly and i wasn't enjoying it like it's supposed to be fun isn't it that's the point and well, I, I, was having fun. I was enjoying it and he was like busily you know, moving his cubes around and earning points and very happy in his little world sorting that problem and i was like well you don't i mean a you didn't really need me to be there i was just taking up space in the room <laughs> just like meat in the corner just going, well, I mean, yeah but that's not the point it was more that for me it was just a completely banal experience yeah. unfortunately and I can't, what can I do? That's just how it is. So, so yeah, what, I could make a game like that is, is absurd. <laughs> so so while Matt's off doing that, like what would you love to be doing? Gosh, I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm very practical. I like the physicality of games or of the, you know, which is a problem when you're, you know, you're stuck in a house and all you can do is play virtually because mm -hmm. it puts me on tabletop, tabletop, um, tabletop simulator. All of that is lost. Um, and it's not to me. It's not irrelevant. Like, it seems really mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think you want something that's absolutely immediate and simple and clear and practical and fun and somehow really quick. And I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there are there are lots of good examples of incredibly lean considered designs, which are incredibly accessible to a vast number of people. And that's a product of them being very simple. Mm -hmm. having a really clear idea about them so and the problem is i'm not i'm not a great ideator if that's a, if that's a word mm -hmm. <laughs> like i really struggle to come up with ideas every now and again i'll have an inspiration but it it's it's hard to generate that and that's what matt's so good at um and so i struggle with that aspect of it which is a shame but i'm i hope now that at least if i do have my great idea whatever it might be i know what to do with it like i think that's what we've learned is a lot about the industry and the people in it and how things work and who you mm -hmm. might approach. And if you have an idea, you know what to do with it. And I'm hoping that that's, you know, that's that's like a pension plan. <laughs> there, there is one. There is one. Oh, sorry. On. No, there's just one thing. Where I can't believe that I had not answered this as the first point to your question, Rory. But actually, and because Michael's here, of course, the one theme or one licensed property that I would love to make a game for is Eurovision. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And we I, keep, yeah. <laughs> that's well, not a trivia game, but uh, you know, it's yeah, something... an actual good Eurovision game. Like it's Euro totally doable. You put the Euro in Eurovision. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have the vision. 
Because yeah, every every other Eurovision game has just been trashy trivia or just a bad rolling move. And we could do it. We could do it. But Eurovision as a concept isn't particularly high-minded, is it? Let's face Excuse it. me. Not- Where's the mute button? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm, can't, I'm, can't you just I'm, kick I'm, him out there? Like- <laughs> it's just it's trash and gaudy nonsense, isn't it? So if you don't make a game that isn't that, what the hell are you doing? Well, I, th- I, I think you I could... Like work a placement game about voting systems, can you? <laughs> Demarco, but it's it entirely be, it about like Super niche. <laughs> It'll be played by exactly nine people across the continent of Europe, and they will adore. Yeah. Well, you got to find your audience somewhere, right? You know, and you should murder there. No, I, I think, um, I, I think you can, you could bring the, the, the camp and the gloss and the banging pop tunes and the, the, you know, the three minutes of howling divas and the smoke machines and the, oh, so many see-through garments. But also, you know, put a a fun game system into that, and get on with it. Come on, this yeah, right. come, Matt. You and me afterwards. We'll get sorted. We'll get good. Um, so it's time to shill stuff because we're coming to the end of the show. I thought you done it already. Sorry. No, you, you two, you oh, idiots. Yes. So what's um, what's coming up from you two that we can expect in the relatively near future? I mean, we've got Essen around the corner. You must have some new stuff for them. There's quite a lot of stuff coming through for 2021, actually, which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything yeah, you can actually mention? Well, there's a few that's been, there's sort of evidence of. There's a game from Floodgate Games in the States called uh, Vivid, um, which I th- we think is going to be on Kickstarter. Is that right, Matt? I think it's going to be Kickstarter next month. I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh. But it looks beautiful. I mean, the cover. All we've seen is the cover. It's, I mean, it's Andrew Bosley of you know yeah, Tapestry and so, and all these. And they've been, for, they've been doing a lot of development work on it. Um, <laughs> and fingers crossed, it does well. Like uh, it sounds like it should be amazing, and it looks so far that it will be. So, um, I'm I'm going to jump in because Michael, I was kind of looking at BGG in your list of games, and Vivid really caught my attention. And it reminds me of our early concept for holding on, the idea of linking individual memories that were pictures together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you've done it in a much more fun way than we were, I mean, it's <laughs> pl- not a, we were planning to do it. The game, I don't mm-hmm. think I would claim that. And it would be interesting to see exactly how they've rationalized it and kind of brought it to life. Because that was really much a very much a theme that they took, they brought something that was essentially abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully it will be a very beautiful, practical kind of physical game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, a kind of family plus, very straightforward, very easy to get kind of meat on the bones for, for gamers. So that's one game that's coming cool. through really good. Um, Matt, anything you want to, anything you're super excited well, coming up? I just basically have a better memory than Brett because I think he can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, he's very old. It's true, it's true. Cheating. But yeah, go on. Uh, well, Enkama announced a Nile artifacts, so that's another sort of thirty to forty minute family game uh, in a sort of small box uh, with with a few little uh, crunchy decisions, uh, which also looks beautiful because Enkama makes incredibly look uh, looking games. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There'll be a, a Kickstarter for uh, so Alley Cat Games is going to kickstart a Dice Theme Park, but as mm-hmm. part of that Kickstarter will be a also for a Dice Hospital Roll and Write game, which. Mm-hmm. 
Brett and I have designed uh, our first foray into the roll and write, which I'm glad that I, I finally got to make one because that's also another genre of game that I play a lot uh, in in playing normal games. Uh, so that's so that's great. And uh, into the box also announced Junk Forts, which is a uh, which ironically it's sort of funny that ga the game has gone through actually several publishers and and themes. It it now has a theme that's not so so far away from uh, leader games fort. Mm -hmm. uh of, of kids uh in a junkyard making making uh trash forts uh but qu uh, quite a different game although it's still a, a you know a card game of of building up a you know a, a fort made of cards of different different elements so so that's fun and then there yeah hopefully there'll be more stuff next year but as as is everyone understands during this time it's all a bit up in the air and and plans are changing so fingers crossed Cool. That was 2022 um, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, the board game oh. uh, from uh, from me and Matthew will be coming out. So let's see oh, that that's not a real game. That's that's just a suggestion for what it should be. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you seen that. it? It's the Netflix uh, film, Brett. Oh, it's the, it's the next Okay. But I'm yeah. surprised that they haven't actually made a board game out of it yet. So, so they're right. It's they just haven't found the right person. Think about low hanging fruit. Crikey. <laughs> Oh, that'll be devastating. It's like that coming together. All right. It is time for us to go. Um, Matt, Brett, thank you so much for your time. Um, mm -hmm. This has been thank you. a most enjoyable experience. Um, chatting away about good stuff. Um, if people want to find y'all, uh, Matt, how can people find you? Uh, probably the easiest way is Twitter. I'm at wisegoldfish. Mm -hmm. all, all lowercase. That is smooth. Yeah, see, not just right together. Uh, meanwhile, I've done this one for you, Brett. There you go. You can just open a window <laughs> and shout Brett. Well, I mean, there aren't actually that many people in the world called Brett, so at least not in this country. So, I mean, you might, you never, you might get lucky. You do have a website, Brett, for example, that you could. I have. That's true. I have a website which is a sort of portfolio of all the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not difficult to find online if somebody wants to reach out to me, but I just don't have. To. Yeah, I just won't reply. Is it still <laughs> 55 cards? So yes, 50 it's fifty So there's a yeah, and I mean, and I respond. So people email me on via or geek mail me via board game geek. I do respond to people. I just you know I'm not out there screaming at the rain constantly. Mm -hmm. on Old yeah. man <laughs> screaming at euro sized clouds. You know. Fifty five cards or dot com. What do you mean like this? Ah, yeah. Oh, look at that! Brilliant. You see what a what a nice sort of short, concise uh, URL I have. Yeah, it's all. It's oh, well, it's it, it's not really as great if you have to say it, Brett. Though <laughs> that other people realize. Or brettjgilbert.co.uk. That's also. I'm I'm very easy to find, and the only other Brett Gilberts in the world are MDs from like Oklahoma. There's lots of doctors, American doctors. Mm. And there is one American, I think it's an American comedian called Brett Gilbert. It should be like Highlander and should it? take, take them it. down and claim their power. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it with Michael J. Fox. It's going to happen one day. Wow. Yeah, that's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> the world's slowest fight. <laughs> well, no matter what happens, you're going to be on the losing end of the, the popularity vote there, Michael. Yeah, the terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you very much indeed for watching folks at home as well. If you join us live, an absolute pleasure. Um, if you're joining us on the repeat over on YouTube or Twitch, uh, that is uh, a lovely thing as well. Um, me and Rory will be back on Friday for mm -hmm. the Prismarina extravaganza. I'm going to see if I can reclaim my honor in some vague way. Yes. 
doesn't okay. sound very likely to me. Probably not. Um, and Roy, are you still planning on doing a um, Prisma solo stream? Um, it may have to be over the weekend because okay. uh, yeah, the days have filled up very quickly for me this week. Oh, good. So. No worries. Well, um, folks can find out when stroke if that's going to happen by heading to We Are Hub Games uh, across all of social media, um, mm -hmm. whether that's Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Um, and yeah, so yeah, back on Friday and we're back again next Wednesday for another Hub Games Hangout. Um, chaps, once again, thank you, thank you, Hang thank on. you. We got to oh. bring this up quickly. Just well done, Ian. Yes. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Uh, but Ian, uh, I would actually love to get you for a chat sometime. Oh God, yeah, that would be amazing. Like, Ian's like design. beautiful art would be lovely to talk about because mm. then I can oh. just have like have copies of like the gallerist behind me and just like <laughs> look at this, it's so pretty. I am actually going to give a quick shout out for Senate, which my copy of issue three arrived today. Oh, sweet! Which I'm um, in. Yes, uh, they feature Adventure Mart and and Holding On in one oh, of the yeah. articles. Yeah, it's a great, great magazine. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, Grant, all right, so this, folks, is uh, where we will say goodbye. Um, so, yeah, we will wave, the end screen will come up, and we'll see you next week. We love you very much. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye.